The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Plenty of headline risk and outside market volatility weighing into the markets as we kicked off another week on Monday. Welcome into the show. Thanks again for joining us here on Market Talk. Always great to be with you. Jesse Allen here back in studio after a busy week last week at the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. It was great to catch up with folks throughout agriculture, learn about some of the new innovations and more that are happening throughout uh, the world of farming and ranching. But great to definitely be back in studio here today. We have a lot to get to on the show. Speaking of our time at Commodity Classic here throughout the week, we're going to be sharing some of those updates and and different things that I learned about on the trade show floor. We're going to do some of that later in the show here today. We're going to learn about different products from AGI surrounding grain bins, grain bin management, managing that stored grain, grain bin safety as well with some automation. AGI's Harley Jansen talked with me during the Commodity Classic last week. We're going to listen into that interview coming up here later in the show. Also going to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide, a new product from Valent. We're going to talk to Eric Garcia. Well, we did talk to Eric during Commodity Classic last week. We're going to listen in to that interview coming up here at the end of the show today as well. First up, though, we got to talk about the markets, the failure of the Silicon Valley Bank over the weekend, really creating some headline risk for this market trade, a lot of volatility as we watch and see the reaction from the Fed, the FDIC, and the administration. That is having its impact on the markets as we kick off the week. We're going to talk markets with John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing coming up later in the show, get his thoughts into what is happening in the financial sector and how it's weighing into commodities, as well as a hard look at the grains and livestock. But we do get some analysis right away here on the show. We kick things off with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Talked to Arlen around midday on Monday as we've seen plenty of volatility throughout the trade. And I asked Arlen first about his thoughts on the impact of the SVB failure and how that's weighing into the broader commodity sector. Here's Arlen Suderman. It's creating a lot of volatility and a lot of uh, headline risk as we go through the week. And I think that's probably going to continue through the week, particularly with some key economic reports coming out. Uh, we'll get the consumer price index data coming out tomorrow and, and uh, producer price index data on Wednesday, along with uh, retail sales data. There's a plethora of other economic reports coming out as well, kind of ending at the end of the week with consumer sentiment data. All of that, I think, is vulnerable to um, creating some more volatility in the market. So the question is, is, have we contained 
the contagion risk of the bank failures that we heard over the weekend, or will it spread? And, uh, you know, there's two things to worry about. There's the facts, and then there's the perceived facts, or the fear, the emotions of the market, which can become self-fulfilling at times. So far, the uh, the outside markets are kind of stabilizing. We're seeing the VIX that had traded over 30 for the first time, uh, really since uh, last October, uh, now trading back down to 26 or so. So we're seeing things calm down a little bit. The stock market is going higher. We're seeing a little bit more strength in the, mar- in the grain and oil seeds. Soybeans under negative territory. Wheat, though, seeing some strength now with reports that Russia is willing to uh, extend the grain initiative uh, to allow Ukraine to export grain, but maybe only for two months instead of four months. I was going to say, I was wondering about that pop in the wheat market. Interesting note there. We'll watch with that grain deal. Uh, Overall, we haven't really traded supply and demand fundamentals in many of these grain markets, though, the last week or so. And with more headline risk out there, I have to wonder if it's going to be another week of not necessarily trading all those supply demand fundamentals in front of us. Yeah, there's a lot of fundamental stories out there that could potentially impact the markets. I think probably the only one that's really at the forefront right now getting attention, as long as we have a lot of fear factors in the macro markets, is that green initiative to allow shipment of grain out of Ukrainian ports. Until we get a signed deal, we're going to be vulnerable there to headlines in either directions that could move the markets. I think the general assumption is that it will get extended, but this does open the door for maybe it's a shorter duration, and that will create some anxiety in the market as well. Outside of that, I think the outside money flow is going to be the dominant force for much of this week. Arlen, in the livestock trade, pressure across cattle and hogs. I have to think some of that outside market movement is probably weighing in here today. Any thoughts on the protein sector? The outside markets are definitely a factor with the protein sector this morning. And even though the stock market has improved, there's still enough uncertainty in the market with the VIX up there trading up at elevated levels to create nervousness in the protein sector. Because when people are uncertain about the future, they tend to spend less money on the higher cuts of meat. When we look at the fundamentals for the cattle market, they appear still to be solid this morning. We did see last week's cash trade around $165 in the Southern Plains, pretty much steady with the previous week. That was maybe a little bit disappointing to the market. The expectation is that we're going to maybe firm up this week. Overall, we look at carcass weights are still in decline, and we are starting to see supplies tighten up a little bit and starting to see product prices starting to firm. But for today, the protein sector is under pressure. And once again, that is comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joining us around midday on Monday as we talked about the market trade and watching all that volatility surrounding the outside markets and how it plays into commodities and more. We're going to dive more into the markets coming up here in a little bit with John Heimberg of Total Farm Marketing. want to take a look at uh, news headlines as well. The Senate... Their next up is the U.S. House voted to repeal on a largely symbolic 227 to 198 vote. The EPA's controversial Waters of the U.S. or WOTUS rule said it could follow suit as soon as this week. Democrats argued that clean water is a human right that will suffer with the GOP move that nine Democrats backed to repeal the Biden EPA's WOTUS rule. 
Here's Washington State's Rick Larson. House Democrats believe we can protect clean water while providing certainty to businesses, to farmers, to Americans who depend upon clean water for their lives and livelihoods. But Republicans like Ag Chair G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania dismissed that argument. This rule isn't about clean water. It's about the Biden EPA's appetite for power. America's farmers, ranchers, and landowners deserve a WOTUS definition that is fair to agriculture and maintains the historical reach of the Clean Water Act, neither of which is accomplished by the Biden administration's flawed rule. Which undid the Trump navigable waters protection rule and caused farmers like California Representative John Duarte to fear more prosecutions like that under the earlier Obama rule. They prosecuted me as a farmer for farming wheat in a wheat field, which had been farmed many, many times before, and threatened to fine me 28 to $40 million for tilling through 22 acres of wetland such as this across a 450-acre wheat field. This is what we're talking about. It's enough, declared Missouri's Eric Burleson. Farmers have been hit hard with fuel costs, fertilizer costs, and supply chain challenges recently. The last thing they need is this. The EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers should rescind this rule and leave our farmers alone. Now, Senate Republicans claim to have the votes to pass the same WOTUS repeal resolution, though Biden says he'll veto it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk markets. John Heinberg, Total Farm Marketing, joins us after the break. Back with more market talk right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, let's take a look at the market trade after Monday's session. Plenty of headline risk in these markets coming out of the weekend as we watch what's happening in Wall Street with the bank failures and much more. We're going to throw in a few things supply-demand-wise, fundamental-wise we need to take a look at. Also, joining us here today to discuss the markets, we welcome in our good friend John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. John, hope you had a good weekend. You know, um, was it okay close uh, – uh, on Friday, but they're coming in here Monday. Just all this headline risk in the market, uh, the, everything with the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and just what's the Fed going to do, what's the FDIC going to do, uh, that really kind of kicked us off on a sour note here to start this week, pretty much just across the board, commodity, stock market, et cetera, John. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the overnight trade into the, the 745 pause on grains was not very pretty, at least in terms of the corn market. And you know, we saw crude oil down $4 a barrel, stock market almost 400 points lower. Now we've, you know, seen some pretty big swings today. So a lot of different questions out there regarding that Silicon Valley Bank issue. You know, obviously the FDC stepped up and said they went back some of the money that was needed to be pulled out and, you know, gave some support to that. I think that eased the market a little bit. At the same time, it kept the fear factor in place. And you saw some of those riskier assets at least kind of get sold off in that regard. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. You know, is it the beginning of the end? Is it the precursor to more to come? Who knows? Those questions will get answered. You know, I think after we kind of got through that shock, you know, the media, at least in terms of what I've been seeing today, has been kind of downplaying it a little bit more. Uh, President Biden made his comments basically saying the banks are safe this morning. And I think just put the market a little bit at ease and at least allowed us to come off the lows in some of these uh, some of these markets in general today. Well, and to your point, it's, you know, the facts versus the perceived facts. And I think some of those perceived facts is what gave us just some of that downside momentum, especially in grains, uh, at least quartered soybeans on the day and even in the livestock trade, too. You know, you got to balance that that perception versus reality here, John. 
Very much so. I was actually just thinking those two words in my mind as you were talking there. You know, again, that's what markets trade on. It's perception, you know, versus, again, the reality side of things. And, you know, you go look at a corn market and one that's, you know, a not bullish corn at this time frame just because of the way the money is flowing and just kind of the situation that we have. And, but realistically, that's just where the perception that, the, you know, we're growing supplies, things are getting heavier. USDA made a cut on demands, carryout goes up. You know, but reality, things are still extremely tight, and that's just going to keep, you know, these markets extremely volatile and very headline driven. You know, I was talking to a few clients here today, just basically saying, you know, by the time we get the harvest next fall, I can give you multiple reasons why we could be at 450 or we could be at 650 at harvest. And so, how do you manage that? And that's some of the things we were having long conversations about today, going forward here in terms of especially that corn market. Well, because we think about the headline risks here, John, and that's one thing, but we also have a lot of different supply and demand fundamentals out there, whether we're trading them or not here. We really didn't last week and might not be necessarily here to start the week, but they're still out there in front of us. So to your point about managing some of that risk, having those long conversations, they're very important. I think just in corn, since you uh, you hit on that, I, it looked like we were Maybe getting some funds, liquidating some more corn long positions on the day Monday as well. You know, seeing Dees corn on Monday closing at 557 at a quarter. You know, the old crop contracts hovering right above six. I mean, we're, we're starting to sh see a little bit of a, a breakdown and plenty of chart damage in this corn market, John. We had quite a bit. Now, Friday actually was a fairly solid close. You know, we came off those lows, put a bit of a reversal in. Would love to see some fall through the day. But the fact that we started the day down seven, eight, and we ended up down a penny or two or three cents here, you know, on the old crop and actually new, a new crop only down a half a cent on the settle. You know, that's a little bit encouraging to me. I mean, I'm not saying we're taking off and going anywhere, but at least maybe we got some stability here at this time frame. I mean, obviously it's Monday and things can change as soon as we wake up tomorrow morning and I'll be eating my words here a little bit. But, you know, I just like the way things kind of acted. Now, what am I watching? I'm watching what's going on with the cash market. Multiple producers said their basis levels improved after this last few days. You know, that tells me that there's still some need for corn out there. I'm watching export inspections. Those numbers were a fairly good number again today, telling us that the corn export window is open. I'd like to see some sales come in, but... I think the market's going to be very hand to mouth with $6 plus corn on the board and what the international perception of the market is. So, you know, so with those things kind of being said, are we in a window? Maybe corn can get a little footing here. Now, I'm not jumping up and down and saying, hey, we're rallying 60 cents. But if we can find 20 to 25 over the handful of days, you know, do, that's a place sellers should probably step back in and move a little bushels if you've missed out on some opportunities or take a look at that those new crop prices, you know, 550, 560, 570. Given where we are in the global picture of things, it's probably a great place to make sure you're getting some traction in terms of some of those new crop sales. Let's hope they're your worst. And then again, let's talk about how to manage the risk. This might be one of those years, the courage call or the fear of missing out call very, may be very important to the producer. You know, and that's some of the ideas we were talking about today is, you know, what can we get over top? A solid sale, make sure we got some re-ownership. If the market takes off, at least we're still participating. We got plenty of bushels to sell on that side as well. Uh, but at least, you know, you got the, the courage to go ahead and make some sales at these levels and make sure we're locking in some type of value because like I said before, I could give you three or four good reasons why we could be at 450 corn by harvest, and then you're going to be wishing you would have sold 550, 560. 
Yeah, and some of those things you mentioned, and obviously, uh, you, you know, growers can get more in the weeds with that with you on a call or an email, but obviously there's plenty of different strategies out there to try and help you manage that risk, and that's so, so important. We talk about it a lot. Soybeans, John, little different there. I know we were under a little more pressure on the day Monday. You know, you mentioned the corn export window opening up. That soybean export window looks like it's closing down finally and I think that might be adding to some of the pressure here. What do you think? Yeah, very much so. You know, it was the time factor. It was coming. Now, tomorrow might be a very key day. We're back kind of testing those lows here from a week or so ago uh, with the move today. Now, I'm watching that soybean meal market again. We know the funds have got a lot of length in that soybean meal because of the Argentina weather. You know, this doesn't mean the Argentina problems are solved and things are over down there. But we're getting to the point now the Brazilian beans are here Maybe the end users have finally you know, got secure, uh, the supplies they need a little bit secured. Also saw an article today that you know Brazilian soybean oil exports are record pace for this time of year frame too. So you know, that weight on that oil market, which was down 70 cents plus today. And it just makes it real hard for beans here with that supply coming at us to just really keep some rally, especially given the premium of US beans to Brazilian beans. So the next couple of days could be very, very key here. Do we hold this area, which was those lows from just a, you know, a week or so ago, or do we break through? And if we do, we got some more downside movement coming. You know, the funds got plenty of length they can get rid of in the bean market. So it makes me a little cautious here. Now, again, talk about managing risk. If that break does occur, again, we're still at 210 million bushels of carryover. That's not a lot. You know, we throw a little prevent plant talk in. We got, you know, a lot of snow over in the northern plains. Had a client said he went through southern Illinois today and things are wet down there. You know, you know it's already the 15th of March, <laughs> you know, so that's going to be coming into the news front real quickly. And that bee market could react fast. So that's going to might be our window. We re-own some of them early sales. Well, and to your point there, too, about just some of the weather conditions. Yeah, mid-March. I mean, we're going to be rolling planters soon in many locations. I heard a lot of talk at Commodity Classic last week in Orlando that, you know, a lot of growers uh, thinking, you know, soybean prices are good. Maybe I'll put in a few more soybeans, but one has to wonder if something happens to this market, it, will they pivot? We know some farmers do have that ability to pivot quickly. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's up for discussion here. And one has to wonder the end of the month acreage numbers, will they be off from what growers were thinking even just, you know, here on March 1st? You know, yeah, very much so. And again, that 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 first report we get, that one's just got a lot of just a lot of wiggle room, you know, for things to change, you know, because that port, report's already kind of put together. It's the March 1st acres intentions or planning intentions, you know, so they're piecing the data together now. And if a guy makes a change in his mind between then and, you know, the report date, well, we won't find that out till June 30. You know, so uh, so that's going to be a big number. I think the market might start thinking about those numbers coming forward. Oh, it's actually probably the plan is that and grain stocks will be the biggest thing in the market's place. And maybe we'll start hearing some of that chatter about things. You know, again, that's one of the reasons why this year you, you talk to producers and you hear it. They're, they're just kind of confused. So make sure you're having those conversations in terms of how to manage a risk and keep your opportunities open one way or another. Uh, in terms of this marketplace, you know, sometimes, like I've said it before, the cost of doing nothing can outweigh the cost of doing something just to help manage at least some of the risks that's in front of you. Once again, that is John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing here joining us on Market Talk today. We're going to continue our conversation coming up after the break. May corn was down three and three quarters, six thirteen and a half on Monday. May beans down fifteen and three quarters, fourteen ninety one and a quarter. May Chicago wheat up five and a quarter, six eighty four and a half. 
Spring wheat, KC wheat up moderately, cattle and hogs under moderate pressure. We'll talk more about all that coming up here after the break as we're back with more market talk on the way right after this. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we are having a conversation today with John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing as we take a look at Monday's trade action. John, let's talk wheat. Uh, we have some different headlines there to discuss. I know at one point, you know, wheat was up about 27 cents across all three complexes. And then when we settled things up on the day, we were up just moderately uh, on the session across Chicago, KC, Minneapolis, but a lot of this appears tied to the potential extension of the Ukraine grain deal. What's the latest you're hearing there, and was that the the biggest factor giving us some strength in the wheat market on Monday? You know, I think that's some of what we got here. I'm getting we're talking a heavily oversold market, heavy short position in this market. The global weather, there's always a pocket somewhere. You know, let's keep an eye on Australia. Uh, for switching to an El Nino type environment, Australia is looking dry. You know, they're a major wheat producer. They provide a lot of wheat to China. You know, does China have to step in markets in other places? Now, that's some of the outside stuff, you know, that's out there at the same time frame. But again, Ukraine Green Deal, that's obviously the biggest focus in the market. It's probably what's been pushing this market down as well as just fund money pushing their short position here. And we got some talk today. Russia may be interested in go ahead and extending the deal, but only going to a 60-day window instead of, you know, the full length of the deal again. You know, so we'll see if that comes together. Nothing's official yet, but it's all headlines at this time frame. And, uh, you know, the market may have very priced in the majority of things. So that's why we're coming back, even though we're now in the window where, you know, what's considered a negative influence might still come together. You know, we still got to keep an eye on what's going on in Ukraine. Yes, we've got the deal coming. They're moving bushels out, but we're getting into the planting windows real soon here. Acre projections are out there. And again, they're just not going to have the ability to put the crop in that this market may be anticipating, nonetheless, even get it shipped. And that's still going to be a long-term supporting factor here just beyond the war. You know, the war part, unfortunately, the market has kind of moved beyond it because it's not a headline event unless there's something seriously affecting the shipping areas. Uh, but again, just where they're going to be on the bushel front as we get to the next year's harvest with that crop, just going to keep that global supply a little bit tighter, which will probably still keep some support in the market longer term. Another thought as well, too, added on to all of this discussion is the winter wheat crop out of dormancy here, poor conditions in Kansas. Um, I have to think that eventually it, that's going to really catch up with this market. Maybe we priced some of that in already, but I have to think if we continue to have just a dismal, dismal crop out there, it's going to do something more here in this KC wheat market, especially. 
Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. Maybe we got to wait till we get the official USDA ratings as they start coming out here in April. You know, but you see some of the university ratings and the quality or the lack of quality that we're seeing in that crop. You know, some areas have picked up moisture, but not enough, you know, in, in terms of helping out getting this crop going. You know, the biggest thing that's still on my radar with this market, again, we don't know what the true commitment of traders numbers are. We estimate they're sitting on a very large short position in that wheat market. If something were to happen in, in terms of the weather here or the Ukraine grain deal falling apart or something along those lines, and those funds feel like they're on the wrong side, the volatility that could be in that wheat market is extremely high. Obviously, that would trickle right into corn again. Another one of those reasons to have th you know risk management positions in front of you because tomorrow morning we could wake up and this thing be a totally different story and the funds need to get to the sidelines quickly and that could help out that wheat market again maybe that was some of the reason we were hired today because of that the silicon valley bank situation they've got a lot of gains there they got a lot of risk there let's thin some risk out you need to get out of shorts by buying the market john let's talk livestock let's start with the cattle market uh, across the board cattle and hogs we were under pressure on the day on monday we came off some of those lows though it appeared especially in the cattle trade I have to wonder, was it outside market pressure, the main culprit, or was it seasonal? Was What were you thinking in this cattle trade on Monday? Why were we uh, down the way we were? Seasonally, cattle markets got me a little concerned here that we've kind of maybe put our winter high in. Okay, cash trade last week, mostly steady with the previous week. I don't think the market liked that very well. You look at the chart, it looks tired, especially in the front months. You know, it doesn't say we're going to roll over and take a big chunk of premium out here. We're still in an uptrend. We still got the fundamental pictures the same in terms of the tight supplies. Demand continues to be fairly strong domestically, but just feels like a window who is, where the market's been overbought. Again, we talked about where a market is leaning, a lot of length in the cattle market here. Again, not sure where the numbers are exactly, but they were buying pretty heavily into the last couple of weeks that we do have uh, you know, commitment of traders numbers. So it's probably a spot where they just said, you know, hey, let's take a little money to the sidelines, see where this wants to go. Again, I'm going to be looking at opportunities for producers as a re-ownership window in here of cattle. They may have moved and you know, locked in for the June, July, you know, April window here as maybe get some calls over top this market because again the story is still the same now we get to the grilling demand window and things start heating up again you know we want to make sure we still got some some presence over top and moving some you know moving those cattle prices higher for producers so but again still a great window look at the value see what's out there think about long-range puts can make sure you're protecting the floor you know we don't know what's going to happen a month from now you know, maybe this, the Silicon Valley Bank thing was the beginning of something happening. And if we fall into a recession mode or we see continued struggles on that side of the sector, you know, the cattle market will be one that will suffer. How about the hog market? Was that seasonal as well? Do you think uh, there's some different fundamentals at play? Is it just the hog market being the hog market here like it has been as of late, John? What do you think? Yeah, no, I mentioned that in our prior conversation, and I kind of agree with you there. I think it's just the hog market being the hog market. You know, I think the lows in for that April contract, we continue to see the cash index trend higher, which is encouraging. In retail values, find, finding some pretty good footing here, so a little bit of work to do. You know, so, but April isn't going to get away from the, the index. You know, we're still six, seven bucks above the index here you know, with, with that gap occasionally narrowing. And I just think every now and then the traders say, you know, let's take a little premium out. We had a good week last week. Hogs finished nicely higher off the lows. So they just maybe wanted to square it up a little bit, especially with the outside risk going on. 
you know, again, I like where hogs are in terms of at least the trend here. Probably a little more cautious of the summer hogs, even though they kind of had a nice close last week as well. But, you know, we got a pretty big spread between the April and the June, the April and the July. You know, does that need to narrow up? Probably does. You know, so maybe that $102 hog in April or June looks pretty good right now in terms of making sure you got a floor under it of some form. Uh, just in case that cash market flattens out again and that that June contract's got that big premium needs to come down. About the dairy trade, John, looking uh, fairly quiet, mixed there on Monday. Uh, what are you seeing as we start off the week? You know, we put a fairly good double bottom in on some of these charts around 1740 on the April. Still steam seems to be holding. You know, we kind of fell apart a little bit at the end of the last week and the start of the session today. And also the buyer stepped in again. So that's a little encouraging. Cheese trade starting to pick up again, at least in terms of value. You know, it's final four season now. So here comes some more <laughs> cheese pizza demand. Uh, so we'll have to see how that plays out. You know, as long as we can kind of hold above that 1740 level at least and keep that double bottom in place, technically the charts are improved. Uh, but I'm not saying we're off to the races here by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's a market that's still dealing with a heavy supply in front here, uh, at least in terms of fluid milk being produced. And just still some questions on demand that need to hopefully straighten out a little bit more and give this market some support. Well, John, great thoughts as always. Before we wrap it up, any final uh, any final thoughts for us? Anything else you want to reiterate here on today's show? You know, I kind of talked about it multiple times about talking about the risk management side. Again, we've got situations here in all these markets where we could be one way or another very very aggressively you know just based on the supply and the demand and then there's just so many things moving here you know i'm a little leery of locking in things in terms of price without having some type of price flexibility either upside or downside around you you know so make sure you're having conversations with people whether it's your banker whether it's somebody like myself the elevator uh you know the packer just make sure you got you know, got a plan and stick to it because it's going to change on a daily basis. Well, John, if folks want to reach out to you and get some advice there at Total Farm Marketing, what's the best way? I know you guys have a lot of great ways to get in touch. Sure. Give me a call, 800-334-9779. Shoot me an email, John H. at totalfarmmarketing.com. Don't forget that website of ours, totalfarmmarketing.com. You know, again, a lot of great information for producers out there. As I said before, it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone and ask questions. I'll gladly chat with you and, you know, just see if there's something we can help you out with. John, thanks so much for the time. As always, have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a great week. And once again, that is John Heimberg with Total Farm Marketing joining us here today on Market Talk. Always appreciate his time with us here on the show to kick off each trading week. Let's dive in and look at how those numbers did finish up on the day on Monday. May corn down three and three quarters, six thirteen and a half. December new crop corn down a half penny, five fifty-seven and a quarter. May soybeans down fifteen to three quarters, fourteen ninety-one and a quarter. New crop November beans eighteen and a quarter lower at 1339 and a quarter soybean meal for may 660 a ton lower 47930 may bean oil down 75 points 5586 may chicago wheat 5 and a quarter higher 684 and a half july up 5 and a half 695 and a half may kansas city wheat that was up 2 and a quarter 8 and a half july up 3 quarters 789 and 3 quarters May spring wheat up eight, eight thirty-two and a half. July up six and a half, eight thirty-one and a quarter. May oats up one and a quarter, three forty-eight. In the livestock trade, April live cattle down seventy-two, one sixty-three fifty-five. June down forty-five, one fifty-eight twenty. August live cattle down thirty-two, one fifty-eight twelve. 
Feeder cattle March down 65, 190.82. April down 57, 197.07. May feeder cattle down 117 at 202.40. Lean hogs, April down 122, 86.22. May down 35, 94.57. June hogs down 17, 102.60. And July hogs down 5 at 104.85 on the day Monday. So again, mostly lower minus that wheat market, which got some of that strength from the talk of Russia allowing the Ukraine grain deal to be extended. Well, coming up next here, we're going to head back to the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida last week. We're going to learn more about some new products from AGI with your grain bins. We're also going to learn about the new Maverick Cord herbicide from Valent USA. We'll get to those interviews coming up next. Back with more Market Talk on the way right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Last week, we were at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. I want to share some of the updates we got from the trade show floor. First up, we're talking grain bins with AGI's Harley Jansen. Looking at just all the different digital tools that you guys have for folks when they're looking at their AGI grain bins and working from field to the bin. So let's start in field first. Talk about what technology you guys have there, and then we can tie that into how that's going into the grain bin. Yeah, so we have a product called the Farm Mobile Puck. It is a brand agnostic uh, piece of hardware, a little a little orange box. Yeah. Sits in the, in the bottom of the, your tractor or your combine, plugs into the diagnostic part, and it collects agronomic information for us. So principally, that's what people think about is, I want to grab my, my yield map, my as planted or my as applied, but at the same time, we're also grabbing things like fuel usage and idle time and travel time. And we're working on exposing some of that to the grower to make them more efficient with that, that expensive asset they have. So thinking about using that puck in the field, how does that translate then to go into the bin? I know you guys have a product called Bin Manager. Yeah, so Bin Manager is a set of sensors that we have that are on grain bins. And so we're measuring temperature and moisture inside the grain, as well as temperature and moisture out in the exterior, and using those two uh, data elements to algorithmically turn fans on and off so that we're only turning fans on when we should be moving productive air into that grain. So if it's soybeans and we want to bring a little moisture in, or if it's corn and we're trying to take a little moisture out, uh, the system is doing that. But first and foremost, it's, it's a system that allows us to keep people out of grain bins. If I have a smart grain bin, I don't have to go in it. And, and I have a dad and I have uh, kids, and my kids are often with their grandpa on the farm, and I don't want any of them to go in a grain bin. So having a smart bin, uh, number one, allows us to keep people out of it. But then we get into the ability to remotely view it, right? You wouldn't put your money in a bank account that you can't pull open your phone and look yeah. at, right? And why, why do we accept that we can do that uh, from an ag perspective? And then, and then it gets into automation and remote control and some of those other things. But what we're starting to do then is be able to say, it's not just corn in the bin, it's corn in the bin that came from this field that had this amount of nitrogen on it or that had this uh, pass with a with a herbicide and and uh, those types of connected attributes um, are creating a lot of buzz around what some of the downstream needs the consumer might be interested in well i think about you hit on so many great points there obviously the safety aspect is great when you start getting into smart grain bins and thinking about you know just the the old ways that we're used to doing things all of this data and all these tools and technology that are in front of us to your point, it just makes things it makes things easier, but gives us so much more flexibility to understand 
what we have going on in our fields, on our operation as a whole, I think it's just really cool to learn about this stuff. Yeah, and I mean, the old saying of you can't manage what you don't measure is just true as can be, right? And we started that in egg with things like uh, variable rate seeding, and now we're getting to the point that we're measuring stuff uh, further downstream and connecting that to the consumer, um, and the consumer's interested. And, and we think that we actually have a really good story to tell as farmers, and, and we want to do a better job of that with the data that we collect. Well, Harley, if folks want to learn more, they want to, they want to dive in a little more in-depth and, and have that conversation about the needs on their operation, I'm sure going online, contacting uh, folks locally with AGI, all great ways to get started, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a, a strong dealership network across the Midwest. Um, you can find us at, at Grain uh, Bend Dealers all over the place, as well as on our website and find more information there at eggrowth.com. Fantastic. Harley Jansen with AGI. Thanks for joining us here at Commodity Classic. We appreciate it. Thank you. Next, we're going to learn more about a new corn herbicide from Valent USA. Here's my interview with Eric Garcia. Well, I'm sure a lot of excitement, a lot of conversations surrounding Maverick corn herbicide. So let's get into that. Just for starters, talk about this new corn herbicide and, and what excites you about this new product. Absolutely. Maverick is Valent's first true corn-focused herbicide, playing in that premium corn herbicide market. What do we mean by premium? Maverick has three effective modes of action. You have a group four, a group 15, and a group 27 mode of action. Herbicide resistance management is always front and center for corn growers. And so we want to make sure that by providing these multiple modes of action, we're making sure we're staying ahead of those weeds uh, and making sure that growers can get the best flexibility when it comes to Maverick, whether it's pre-plant incorporated, pre-emergence, post-emergence, or sequential split. I think about what you said there, and, and this is what I love, and this is how I, I love seeing about all the innovation that happens in agriculture, staying a step ahead, because obviously we know wheat pressures that are out there in our cornfields, they continue to evolve, you know, and so being able to try and stay ahead of that to alleviate some of the issues, eliminate some of those issues is, is so important, and I think about having three modes of action, that seems to be more and more the way to go, it seems like. That, that is true. Um, and on top of that, right, we talk about the flexibility with modes yeah. of action, but weather is always something we got to consider. And so with Maverick's wide application window, again, from pre-plant incorporated yeah. all the way up to 18-inch corn, growers have that flexibility, regardless of what the weather is throwing in their way or when they can get out into the field to apply Maverick on their terms. You're going to hear the uh, term grow your corn your way with Maverick, and that, again, is Referring back to the flexibility corn growers have applying Maverick at the application they want to, again, post-emergence or pre-emergence, but also applying through that wide window we're seeing uh, with Maverick. Yeah, because we never know what Mother Nature is going to throw our way. I mean, that, that's what it all comes down to. So if I'm a grower and, and I want to learn more about Maverick and I'm you know, excited about you know, maybe looking at a new product and trying something different on my crop, this year, next year, beyond? What's going to be the best way to learn more? So best way to learn more about Maverick is reaching out to your local retailer, uh, your local Valent USA rep, or just visiting ma uh, valent.com slash Maverick. Maverick is available this season, 2023. So growers interested can always reach out and uh, place their order for Maverick. And once again, that is Eric Garcia with Valent USA talking about Maverick corn herbicide. You can learn more about Maverick by contacting your local retailer or your local Valent representative.
That is going to do it for Market Talk here today. Those updates from Commodity Classic. We'll have more throughout the week ahead. Big thanks to John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing joining us to discuss the market trade as well here on today's show. Have a fantastic rest of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.